Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Today, Randy, we are continuing on our short series on vision, and uh, we have been uh, discussing various uh, ways to divide vision into subcategories and to have vision in uh, smaller pieces of our life. Well, and you introduced our listeners to the vision for individuals slash couples chart that I did put up on the Faithful and True website under resources. If you mm-hmm. click on there, there's a uh, there's a link to it, and uh, you're able to print it out even if you'd like. And it might that might be a nice visual aid uh, as you're listening to these shows, because as I look at the rest of the categories on this chart, we were estimating last week that this might be the last show on vision, but it seems to be several categories here that uh, it, it might be this weekend next to, for us to wrap this up. Yes, you're impressing our listeners with uh, how well thought out uh, our schedule is in terms of uh, what topics uh, we're going to cover over the next year. We have that all mapped out. It's a well-oiled machine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, said the delusional mechanic. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, when we last left our listeners last week, uh, you had just finished uh, explaining about, uh, as you said, you have broken down vision into these digestible categories. Uh, we left them with emotional health. What we're talking about, though, in general, is that uh, encouraging all of the people that we work with to be people of vision. Uh, We talked about the uh, passage from uh, Proverbs that a people without a vision, according to the King James Version, will perish. So there's encouragement there that we all need to be people of vision. We talked about the Philippians uh, 3.3. 13 to 15 passage about how we are to uh, forget about the past and move on toward the higher calling. So we're really talking about the fact that God has a plan for all of us. Uh, He has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. And uh, we all need to be uh, looking at discerning, uh, praying about uh, what God's call in our life is. The term, you know, vocation really means to be called to something. And uh, as long as we remember that vocation doesn't necessarily always mean income-producing activity, but it's what we are called by the voice of God to do. So I have always felt that sometimes people get stuck uh, making this too lofty a thing. They, they look at this in perhaps too broad a way. And uh, that it's sometimes helpful, as we've been trying to do on uh, these shows, to break down our vision uh, into various smaller categories, smaller chunks, smaller bites, because I think it's easier sometimes to get a sense of that. That reminded me of, I inadvertently used the term, I believe on last week's show, taking a bigger bite. And you said, write that down because I want to address that later. And and I think just now, you kind of referenced it just now because mm-hmm. what you're really inviting the listeners to do is to develop a vision based on what God has intended for us and taking a digestible bite, a, a, you know, bite. a smaller bite, right. uh, you know, at a time. And the next on this chart, 
that's in fact the next two categories of vision seem to be kind of enjoyably based for you know in in my eyes because the next one that you're going to tell us about is recreation right now remember we're talking about vision uh for individuals and also vision for couples and um in this category i think uh, uh this is one of the most neglected categories uh, last night in our Tuesday night men's group, we were talking about stress and schedule and jobs and family, and we had a new dad who was uh, kind of discouraged uh, uh, because he's so busy with his job. Now he has a new baby, um, and uh, he's got other responsibilities, and he's kind of like what in the old days in stress parlance we, we would have called burned out. Well, in the midst of working, having new family, uh, he's forgotten at some level how to have fun or to play or to recreate. And uh, uh, so we were talking last night in the group about what's your vision for recreation. And for those guys that are married, what's your vision for uh, recreation together as a couple? And w- what did you come up with after talking to your group? Because it was a sizable group, so that was a pretty yeah. good uh, pretty good focus audience to be uh, addressing there. Well, did I say we came up with anything? No, you did not, but I'm, I know that you're a man of action, a man of results, <laughs> and so I could only imagine that you came up with some uh, some great uh, solutions. Well, I think uh, kind of what we uh, landed on was, are there activities that any of the men do that when they do them, they feel energized, they feel uh, joy, they feel uh some sense of excitement such that uh, it doesn't take away from their energy level. It actually contributes to it. I, I think of, you know, one of the most basic examples of recreation is to get something that has physical exercise attached to it. And I know that, again, in, you know, the world of uh, stress management, those people who exercise regularly feel generally more energized after they exercise than, than before they started. And I think any kind of recreational activity that we do should give us a sense of energy uh, in the very act of doing it. Now, what that is, I think, can vary. Uh, There's no black and white standard uh, cookie cutter answers to this. I think, you know, what what everybody finds recreational, fun, relaxing, uh, energizing, I think might be different. Well, and isn't it kind of interesting, as you're referencing, finding something that is a an individual vision for recreation right. and as a couple? Because yeah. that can be two different forms of recreation, can't it? Yeah, it can be very, uh, two very different forms. And, you know, the mature couple and the healthy couple, I think, is the couple that knows that, uh, you know, they can stand uh, alone on their own and uh, it's times and at other times stand together in terms of um, uh, particularly this category with recreation. So, you know, Debbie knows that there are things that I enjoy doing that she does not and vice versa. And there are many things that we enjoy doing together. Well, I think of last Sunday with the, yeah, right. with the 18 holes of golf and, and what a that seems to be a blessing in disguise when you both have uh, mutual enjoyment of an event like that. Because yeah, right. I think at the end of that afternoon, at the end of that weekend, the two of you seem to, first of all, you both played well. Debbie played <laughs> on on a whole nother level in that front nine, but, yeah. but and, and then you on the back nine. And at the end of the day, there's kind of an exhilaration uh, right. that right. you both enjoyed individually, but then at the end, 
also enjoyed as a couple. Yeah, and one of the things that you know I'm grateful for, uh, I know so many couples where um, one of them enjoys doing an activity and the other one has absolutely no interest in it. Golf is one of those activities that I hear about all the time. You know, the husband enjoys doing it, but the wife thinks for some historic messages in her brain that she's uncoordinated and unable to do it. Uh, but I've been blessed with a wife who comes from a golf tradition in her family. And, and so um, we have had a lot of joy over the years, not just playing golf locally, but uh, even taking some yeah. vacations. Vacations based on your love of golf. Right, yeah. including going. I think one of the most fun things we ever did was to go to golf school together out in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I don't want to, you know, just dwell on golf. I think there are lots of things that couples could do together. But, you know, some of our couples, particularly in the early days of recovery from addiction, they think, well, geez, if, you know, we go out and have fun, that basically means that everything must be okay. Uh, it, nah, I don't think it means that. I, you know, we, we talk about the ampersand here all the time, and you can be having serious trouble, you can be having serious conflict, you can be having a lot of uh, personal healing to do, and at some points along the way you can kind of put that on hold for a while and go out and, and enjoy uh, having a good time together. That seems counterintuitive, but I, I do think it's actually a, a vital part of uh, some of the positive things we're doing for ourselves in recovery. I think of the the verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 where, you know, the writer is comparing all these contrasts, and uh, my favorite has always been there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. And uh, if everything uh, under uh, heavens is, you know, meant to have some kind of contrast to it, then uh, those of us that, you know, are in a place of, you know, incredible amount of sadness... Uh, We also need to remember that there's other times when uh, we are called to laugh. Our next category on our chart of uh, vision for individuals and couples is social life. Yeah, and with any of these categories, you begin to see how they occasionally overlap or, you know, frequently overlap, actually. And you can see where recreation and social life can easily overlap. But the idea there is what is our vision for social community, for friendship, for uh, our uh, French friends that we get with on a regular basis, whether they're indi- individual friendships uh, or if we're married, couple friendships. So we're huge believers here. We preach this all the time that all of the people that are working with us, we want them to be in community. In the early days, we know they need community around the specifics of the addiction, whether they're the wives being with other wives or the husbands being with other husbands. And, you know, gradually as, as we transition uh, into, you know, the rest of our lives, uh, we're going to uh, need to uh, be very focused on um, the, the vision that we have for friendships. Uh, one of the things that I notice is that recovery itself, because of all the hard work we do at a deeper emotional and spiritual level, it sometimes wrecks some of our historic friendships, meaning that uh, some people that we've known over the years that are not necessarily in recovery, or at least if they are, they're not talking to us about it. You know, some of those friendships, then the conversations uh, at parties or gatherings or events, you know, might might be you know much more superficial. Uh, and I've also noticed another dynamic is that as we get older, uh, our our social networks t- tend to get kind of established. And uh, if we're going to make new friendships, new community, we're going to need to be the initiators of that. Uh, 
you know, uh, I remember back 28 years ago when we moved into Minnesota, uh, we had to work really hard at uh, moving away from our older community down in Iowa, our existing high school and college communities in the Chicago area. Now we're in a totally new place. A lot of uh, people were well-established in their family networks, the neighborhood networks, the social networks. We had to work hard at it, and, and I think in many ways we still do. Uh, we have to decide uh, on a regular basis who we'd like to get with uh, for couples fun, couples play, couples recreation, and so forth. So um, having a vision, though, for a community of friendship, it can overlap with spirituality because some of our Social life can be related to church activities or service activities. And again, we, you know, we may need to have our individual group of friends and then our couple's group of friends. And you know what I find challenging about that in, in our household? But by the time uh, my wife works very, very hard all week long and many times throughout the weekend. And by the time that we get to the weekend, you're usually so exhausted to try to find the uh, energy reserve to reach out to other couples, you know, to, right. to try and uh, form a social life with, you know, new friends. Usually by the time that you get to the end of your work week, you're kind of just um, looking forward to some quiet time, you know, with your spouse. Right. And so it, it's almost one of those challenges of when do we find time to develop friendships with other couples? Well, that's part of the vision. Uh, uh, if we'll remember something that we're talking about all the way along, that if you have a vision that you know we'd like to be part of a larger social community, um, then you have to start doing the next thing. If people are looking at the diagram you've put on our website, they can see that there are things that we do to develop our vision, which are the action steps. Uh, you know, make a decision about who we'd like to invite out or invite, invite over, or so forth. And then what are some of the things we do to hinder our vision? Well, it's like you're saying, if we allow ourselves to get so otherwise depleted during the week that we don't have energy for this, you know, that can hinder our vision. All right. Well, our next category uh, seems to be one of those kind of monumental ones mm -hmm. because the next one is parenting. Parenting is uh, for those couples, obviously, that uh, have children. And uh, it's just kind of your vision for... Um, uh, what kind of relationship you want to have with your kids growing up? What kind of parent do you want to be? This is, you know, an interesting issue early on because, you know, so many of the people that we work with are, you know, doing some uh, historical looking back at, you know, their family situations, uh, their parent relationships with mom and dad. And so oftentimes we find that there are some uh, wounds there. And uh, I think in this one, it can overlap with spirituality if we say, particularly for the men that I work with, if the sins of the father are passed down to the third and fourth generation, Exodus 20 also promises us that if uh, uh, a man, a person returns to God's ways, then the blessings God will pour out are for a thousand generations. So this is kind of a thousand generation vision. Uh, you know, what kind of godly uh, parents do we want to be? Uh, what is our parenting style, our discipline, the things we're going to encourage? Uh, uh, I think one of the hardest things for parents to learn how to do at times is to let go, you know, not being over-controlling. Uh, I could go on and on with various things, but I think, you know, the average uh, couple, uh, I'm not sure, you know, has ever had a completely healthy conversation about what kind of parents do we want to be. I think that can be a lot of fun to say, what's our vision for that? You know, even Debbie and I now, with our all of our three kids being in there, 30s, uh, 
we still have a vision for a family reunion every year that we try to organize uh, regular visits to all three of our kids and uh, our grandchildren as well. And uh, 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 what kind of uh, time, therefore, are we going to need to carve out of our schedules for that kind of thing? Before we came on the air, I was just talking to our son, John, about two visits that we're going to make out to him in Virginia this summer, one for his birthday and one for his uh, first uh, uh, football broadcast, Virginia Tech versus uh, Ohio State. Too bad it couldn't have been a big game. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> a game against anybody other than the defending the, the national champion. Defending national champ. Well, you know, well, uh, you know, there, there's times when we need to make sure that you know visiting is not going to be just for our own selfish purposes. Like I'd love to be at that game, and, and my son happens to be broadcasting it, but uh, I doubt very much we're going to see him on the day of that game. Well, and so. this just happens to be one of those proud parent moments. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, uh, as we're uh, nearing uh, the end of the, of the show, we're going to move to this uh, next category, which, again, is a bit of an overlap with what we were just yeah, talking about with right. parenting because it's, it's family and significant others. Yeah, family, and I guess we included significant others there. That's just a term that's oftentimes used in the recovery movement program and so forth. We call it SO for short, significant others, and that just recognizes that you know, there are, in fact, a lot of people that are living in a relationship that are not married. And significant others might be, you know, cousins, uh, uh, extended family might be another way of looking at this. So that does overlap parenting. So we're parents to our children, but we're also children of our parents and grandparents. What is our vision? I think the easiest way to look at it for extended family. How much time do we want to spend with extended family? What kind of events do we want to regularly participate in? Uh, honor. I mean, one of our visions, for example, with our extended family is that we would try to attend all the all the high school and college graduations of our nieces and nephews, which I think we've for the most part pulled off, at least at the college level. Um, but uh, uh, lest I try to remember all of that, because it's a blur with all of those trips. I do think that uh, uh, the, where this one gets the most uh, challenging, even spiritually, is particularly if we are getting in touch with some woundedness with our parents, what kind of vision do we have for a relationship in the future, even if we need to take some time away to grieve and, and, and so forth. And, and I would say that one of my encouragements to all the men I work with is at times your vision for family is going to be a vision of uh, forgiveness particularly in your role as a son or daughter, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, with any of these, we could talk about a lot longer. But Well, uh, what I'm struck by with this category, because uh, you and Deb personally and uh, my wife Cindy and I are both deeply involved in being members of the sandwich generation. Right. And by that, um, our listeners probably right. well understand, we have parents uh, that are still alive who are of great concern uh, to us, and we have uh, we have responsibilities, and we have interaction, and we have you know great involvement. Meanwhile, we still have kids who are so dependent upon us uh, in a in a whole um, variety of ways that uh, that can really be a challenging right place to find yourself what is your vision in how you're you're taking care of your parents what's your vision in how you're still providing and taking care of your kids and where does that leave the two of you as husband and wife right. in the middle well i think you're talking about uh, not a unique thing obviously i mean it's a very common problem for those of us uh, 50s and 60s and that would be 
you know, we are sandwiched between at least one, two, three, or four living parents and uh, then our adult children who otherwise should be on their own. And, and times were pulled in either direction. I have an example maybe as we're coming to the end of the show today that I'm really excited about that would kind of combine uh, uh, recreation, uh, parenting, and family and significant others. I love when you get great ideas. Go, go ahead. Well, it's the <laughs> idea that I'm really uh, totally enthusiastic about. One of my visions for myself recreationally is to... Uh, take flying lessons. Why I decided to do that at age 64 is way too long a story, but I uh, decided to do it and I'm, I'm, I'm well on my way. And uh, in the process of that, I remembered, of course, that my father-in-law, uh, Debbie's dad, was a pilot in World War II. So getting educated about flying and uh, navigation and so forth has led me to have conversations with my father-in-law um, that I would have never had before because I didn't know the questions to ask. And um, just to be able to ask him about the plane he flew in World War II and the combat that he was in. And others have told me that he has opened up to me about his war experiences in ways that he hasn't to others. Uh, and as he's getting older, I think he's more likely to need to process some of that stuff because I think it was you know, um, a great challenge, a great uh, patriotic service, and also it was completely tra traumatizing at some level. Uh, but the idea then that Debbie and I have now claimed as a vision for him is we've discovered a pilot uh, actually nearby where he lives who actually owns uh, the plane that my father-in-law flew in World War II. And on August 2nd, we're going to take him up for his... Uh, Maybe not last ride, but we're going to take him up for another ride. Well, it, that's, uh, that is already set to be an unforgettable day for everybody involved. And uh, it, uh, I'm sure it's going to bring back um, all sorts of memories for him. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, for you to have the vision to even make the arrangements to make something so unique and so specific right. uh, available to him. Uh, and Debbie has done her part as the, uh, as the salesperson <laughs> convinced your mother-in-law that it's okay to take dad up i think that was a that was quite an effort on both of your parts well you know i was thinking about this uh uh just in terms of honoring my mother-in-law too that she is uh, a person that had to wonder what he was doing sure oh absolutely oh, absolutely oh, i mean they were engaged the whole time he was uh you know from uh his days in you know d-day to you know the rhine and the liberation and you know he didn't come home until um seven months after the war in europe had ended and uh, you can only imagine how your yeah. proposal of that flight right. tapped into some very emotional memories right. for her. I'm sure. It so, did. so I, yeah. I, I could see the power of that moment, and uh, I, I still uh, am convinced that it's going to be just a fabulous day uh, for you and Deb, uh, and and her parents. And, well, uh, we're gathering, you know the, uh, you know the grand grandchildren. Uh, uh, a, a bunch of them are going to be there. His two existing children, uh, living children, are going to be there. And uh, there might be other community people there. I'm not sure. It's going to be a happening there. I think so. Alert the press. I uh, think that uh, that's going to be a big day. Well, we've already done that. But uh, <laughs> uh, we are... <laughs> Just when I thought I came up with a novel idea. No, we're going to uh, pray for uh, good weather because this funky plane that he flew in, the Piper L4, cannot fly in certain weather conditions. So we're going to hope for good weather. Well, okay. Let's wrap up today's show. What is your, what is your closing statement on vision? 
mission today? Well, I just hope we're inspiring people, uh, our listeners, to you know, just take a moment of meditation, prayer, even Bible study at some point uh, to uh, think about God's calling in their life. Just think about it in terms of the larger idea. God calls us to all things that he, he uh, knows will prosper us. And I, I'm just encouraging, I think, through this series, our listeners to sit down and think about that calling and to think about uh, that calling in, in certain very specific categories of our lives. And uh, so I hope it's continuing to be an encouragement. And, and also, just as we talk through our own stories, like the last one, giving you some, uh, some inspiration to think about your own. And we hope that you are inspired in hearing this, uh, this show today. We also hope that if you are getting in touch with God's vision for uh, what you need to do in your life, and if you're feeling that that calling is finally motivating you to get the help that your heart and soul desires as you struggle with sexual purity, we invite you to visit faithfulandtrue.com and take a look at the resources there. Take a look at the Men of Valor Workshop, a three-day intensive that we offer every month. And uh, we would love to have you come to our center and partake in this uh, very impactful uh, event. And that's all available on the website. We'd like to uh, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. And once again, this week has been a joy bringing you the Men of Valor program. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com. 